0: Life isn't fair. We all know it. We can see the unfairness around us. But why is it that some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth, while others are born into abject poverty? And why is it that some people, who should know better, go out of their way to make our lives miserable? Well, James doesn't address the whys of our questions, but he does give us advice as to how to deal with these matters of inequality and injustice. We must be long-suffering like Job and the prophets. But that doesn't sound like any fun. Well, it isn't. However, there is good news. The bottom line? Christ is standing in the doorway as the one who can set things right. And he is compassionate and merciful to those who are long suffering. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. To the way, I'm your host, Father Dustin Lyon. We're continuing our study of the Epistle of St. James. We're finally in the last chapter, chapter 5, and this is verses 7 through 12. So let's do like we've been doing. I'll read through the entire passage and then we'll go back and comment on what's happening, what James is talking about. So he says, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. See, the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my beloved, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So, here James is talking about being patient. And the word for patience in Greek is makrothimeo. And it actually comes from two words. One is makro, which means long or far. And the other one is thymia, which means passion. The New Revised Standard Version, which is the version that I just read to you, has translated this word as patient. But perhaps a better understanding, or a better word, is long-suffering. So even from the very beginning of verse 7, James is encouraging his hearers to be long-suffering. And as you can tell, be patient, or long-suffering, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. And then he goes on and gives the example of the farmer. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. So why would he be encouraging his hearers to be patient? What's going on here? Well, as we know, there's inequality within the group that James is addressing. We know about the rich and the poor, and there is some sort of inequality. We also know, going back to the first chapter, that they are treating some people... In a special way who come into the community they have special treatment given to them where others are kind of set aside and we know a lot of this has to do with class difference going back to money which of course translates into power and so james is encouraging his people to be long-suffering to be patient with these sorts of inequalities And I think that's good advice for us today. We can see different types of inequality within our society. There are things that are broken, both at the government level and within the corporate world. Things are broken. Things are not the way they're meant to be. Of course, this is what the fall is trying to explain. We live in a fallen world. The world is sick and in need of healing. And James is urging us, therefore, to be long-suffering, to be patient, because it's Christ who will eventually set things right, because he is the judge. And that's why he mentions both the coming of the Lord, parousias tukiriou, the coming of the Lord, as well as the judge standing in the doorway. So we have to be patient. We have to suffer these inequalities as best we can. Even though we know it's not right, even though we know these things are wrong, we have to suffer these. And he gives the example of the farmer. In the first century, what they did is the farmer would go out into the field, and he would have his bag of seeds, and he would just throw his seeds. It didn't matter where they landed. He would just throw them everywhere. And of course, we all know the parable that Jesus tells about the sower throwing his seeds. And it was only after he had thrown his seeds that they went back and plowed the fields, Now, this seems backwards from the way we do it today. Today, we plow the fields, and then we put the seeds within the crevices that we've created and cover them up again. And in the ancient world, they didn't do that. They threw the seeds, and then they plowed it, trying to pull up dirt to cover the seeds. And so it was a very haphazard way of farming. But, of course, this is how they did it. But a farmer, after he had sown his seeds, would have to wait for the crops to grow, And in this waiting, the farmer could do nothing. There's nothing the farmer could do to make the seeds grow faster. In fact, the farmer is completely dependent upon God. God has to provide the sunshine. God has to provide the good soil. God has to provide the rain. And here he mentions the early and the late rains, which are probably, the early rain would have been in April, and the late rain probably would have been in October. So they have a different growing season than we do here in America for those in the Midwest. Uh, We know we plant the crops in the spring and then we harvest in the fall. And here in the ancient world, they probably got two harvests throughout the year because of the different climate that they live in. But the point is, is if you have to wait for the early rain and then the late rain, it encompasses an entire year. So the point of the farmer and the point of mentioning the rains and the sowing of the seeds and all of that is that Who knows how long you'll have to be long-suffering? We don't know. We don't know when the Lord is coming back. We don't know if it's tomorrow or if it's a thousand years from now or two thousand years from now. But the point is that you have to be patient. This is very good counseling, right? He's acknowledging that there is inequality within the communities. And not only within the Christian communities, but within the world as a whole. The Romans were probably putting pressure on the Christian communities, and it was not easy to live under the boot of Caesar. And so James is not only talking about the inequalities within the community, but the inequalities within society as a whole. And he's saying, don't worry, Christ will return and set things straight. We just have to be long-suffering. And then after the farmer, he gives the example of the prophets. And we know the prophets themselves were long-suffering, especially because they had to put up with inequalities within their society. So we know as Moses was leading the Hebrews out of Egypt, they come to the edge of the promised land, and Moses gives them a choice. He says, If you obey God, then all these blessings will come to you. If you disobey God then it's death and curses. And he left it up to the people. They had now received the law from God, and Moses gives them an option. If you follow the law, good things will happen. If you disobey the law, bad things will happen. And this is the blessings and the curses found at the end of Deuteronomy. And we all know the way the story plays out is that the people chose to disobey God. That's what the rest of the story is about. The judges, and then the story of the kings, and the story of the divided kingdoms, and then eventually the fall of the two kingdoms, or their exile into Assyria and Babylon. And the reason that the people had to endure the collapse of their kingdoms, and the reason that they had to endure exile, is because they had disobeyed the law. And so the prophets come as a reminder to them. Remember when you were standing on the edge of the promised land and Moses gave you a choice, a choice between life and death. Well, you chose death. You chose to disobey God. And so the curses that come upon you, including the exile, is because of the choices you have made. But, of course, the people don't want to hear that, because it means responsibility. They have to take responsibility for the decisions they have made. And no one wants to do that. And so, oftentimes, the prophets had to suffer because of that. And James is reminding them of the prophets' suffering. And, in fact, as we talked about last week, at the time of Elijah, some of the prophets were put to death by those in charge because the prophets were criticizing those in charge. And so they were put to death. And in that sense, they were long-suffering. But James here gives some hope. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So if there's any one figure in Scripture, other than the crucified Messiah, who is the example of a long-suffering servant par excellence, it's probably Job. And we all know the story of Job. So it starts with Satan approaching God in heaven. It's envisioned like a heavenly court. In this case, the Hebrew word is Satan, but Satan actually means advocate. And it's like a lawyer Of course, what do lawyers do? They test the evidence, and they make an argument either for or against a particular person based on that evidence, either a prosecutor or a defense lawyer. And for those who are Orthodox, when we pray, O Heavenly King, the Comforter, Paraclita is the word there, and it means advocate is what it means. It's a legal term, even in Greek, that refers to a lawyer. But we know that the Satan, this advocate, this lawyer, comes to God and says, let me test this faithful servant of yours. Referring, of course, to Job. And God permits this. Let's see if Job's faith endures. Let's see if Job is patient or long-suffering. And of course, he loses his family, he loses his wealth, he loses his power, and Job has maybe what we would call today an existential crisis. Even his friends tell him to curse God and die, so they don't seem to be very good friends in the end. Job ends up confronting God, and you can read about that in the book of Job. But at the end, everything is restored to Job and more. Family, wealth, flocks, all those sorts of things. It's restored. God is merciful and compassionate. God had said to the people through Moses, as they're entering the promised land, if you obey me, there are a lot of blessings to come. But it was up to the people. And so James here is encouraging us to take heed of the history we see in Scripture. We see how it turned out for those who didn't obey. And he's telling us, don't be like them. Be patient and long-suffering instead, just like Job, just like the prophets, not like the people who get destroyed and exiled. And he even warns, Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. Of course, grumbling against one another would be to blame one another, to point the finger and James is saying, don't do that. That's not what long-suffering is about. And we see that a lot in our society. We want to find people to blame and punish them. But we're not the judge. The judge is standing in the doorway. The judge is the coming Lord. And this is how James ends this passage. A blow. Above all, my beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, of course, this reminds us of what Jesus said in Matthew 5. This is 34-37, through and this is the David Bentley Hart translation. Whereas I tell you not to swear at all, neither by heaven, inasmuch as it is God's throne, nor by the earth... Inasmuch as it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, inasmuch as it is the great king's city. Neither swear by your own head, inasmuch as you cannot make a single hair white or black. Rather, let your utterance be yes, yes, no, no, because it is from the roguish man that anything more extravagant than this comes. In other words, don't bear false witness, be truthful, be truthful concerning what you say. And what you do. Because if you aren't, you'll be the one who's judged by the one who's standing in the doorway. Of course, we are under judgment every time we hear the gospel. Have you ever thought about why we stand when the gospel is read in church? So think about it. Where else in our society do we stand? Well, it's when the judge enters the room and when the judge is giving the verdict, right? The person who is on trial has to stand. For that verdict. And that's why we stand when the gospel is being read. It is the judgment against us. Of course, in Scripture, we are all found to be guilty. We're all found to be sinners. But the good news, brothers and sisters, is that God is merciful and gracious. That's the good news. So here, James is urging us to walk the way by being long-suffering. God knows there's injustice in the world. God knows there are divisions within the community and within society, and He is coming again to set things right. And until then, we have to be faithful or loyal to Christ, who is the ultimate judge and the one who gives life. All right, I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. God bless.